been talking about this idea that life is everywhere, and I think this is my final lesson, and you all say thank the Lord for that. I could go on, but we're going to change direction on Wednesday, so um, I apologize my voice. This is one of those things. I get fall allergies about every three years, and, um, and this is one of the third, um, and then it turns into a cold, and I'm not sick. I just don't feel good. Does that make sense? I just like, I just don't feel bright, so... I don't have a lot of notes, so if I run my mouth, well, I, who knows what time I'll get out. But anyway, I'll try to do my best here. So I do apologize for how I sound. But remember the woman at the whale? Well, whale, that one's, but Jonah, the woman at the well would be another one. Uh, the woman at the well, she encountered Jesus. We talked about this some several, several weeks ago. And the concept that I think possibly that we, we need to look at here is that she was pursuing what she thought she needed. She, something was l missing, obviously, something she was longing for, and she was trying her best to fulfill that in some way whatsoever, and in hers would have been companionship or would have been love, would have been I, I don't, relationship of some sort. Uh, she was married several, several times, and she just kept trying one after another, and the futility of her pursuit was evidenced by her five ex-husbands, and so she just kept going through husbands, trying to find, it would seem or it would appear that, that she was looking for something. When Jesus met her, he got disturbingly personal with her, and she tried, as I would in that situation, to change the subject. He got kind of in her face a little bit, and she's talking about, you know, let's go get your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five, and the guy you're living with is not your husband. And so she said, well... Where are we supposed to worship, Lord? Uh, she just seemed like she tried to change the subject a little bit. Um, and the thing is, though, she got right in where she needed to be, the subject, what Jesus needed to talk to her about, which is what I'll talk about. But Jesus targets this deep longing she has fervently tried to fulfill in her life. Through all these powerless pursuits and all these natural ways, something was missing, and obviously it was not about a husband. It was about something else, and I think we could possibly look at it. It was about what she worshiped. It was about what she thought was the most important because he speaks, Jesus speaks of a time when she'll join a group of people who will worship authentically. Let's look at John 4, 23. But the hour cometh, Jesus says, and now is. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. So at the very core of our identity as a human being is this proclivity to worship. This proclivity to, to, to believe in something and to uh, give accolades, something has to be there. You, you talk to people that, you know, they, they, they want to believe in this or they don't want to believe in that. There is still, there is a longing in their heart. There is a missing piece somewhere. And it's the saddest thing to watch people scurry through life in every way they possibly can to try to get some contentment. You and I, we have lived, and I'll say it like this, we have lived in light for so long that sometimes we forget how dark the darkness is. And we have lived in peace that passes all understanding for so long that we forget what it truly means to be in turmoil. 
Again, I'm not saying we don't have bad days or things, but the overall peace that I know my Redeemer liveth and I will see him someday. That overriding peace of everything I go to and go through in my life, that is why there are people who will take many, many things and do many things to try to just to get to sleep at night. And some of us, it takes six or seven seconds on a bad night. I don't take some of that stuff for granted. Why? Because I have peace in my heart. I have, I know what it's like to just be comfortable in the presence of God and just have that overarching peace. Now, Last night, um, I didn't sleep that good because I kept waking up about every 10 minutes thinking I wasn't ready for Bible study, (laughs) which you all may say you weren't, but okay, but we'll figure that out later. But I just had one of those nights. But the overarching thing of, I know who I am. I know I belong to him. And so this people searching for that and searching for things that they're that something must be different, something must be worthy out there. And so when we talk about this word worship, let's break it down just a little bit and and try to, as simply as I can put it, worship is simply the act of attributing elevated worth to something or someone. Or, uh, and more than just saying, well, that is worthy or that's worthy of worship, something in that saying, it's demonstrated because I do something about that. I, I'm devoted to that. I, I devote my energy. I devote my time. I devote my focus. I, I devote my resources and my anticipation towards something that I'm going to worship that I think is worthy, that I think is, I, I put in an elevated status in my life. Here's the bottom line. There is no such thing as a human who does not worship. You're going to worship something. Bible talks about you can't do both, go worship God. You can't do certain things, but you're going to worship something. It's like that, the, 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 it's like someone saying, well, I'm not going to make a decision. I'm sorry, you just made a decision that you're not going to make a decision. You can't get out of that. You're making a decision. So the thing about, oh, I'm just not going to worship, you are elevating something. You're elevating your thought life. You're elevating what you, uh, uh, somehow you're doing it. You are elevating something in your life. So it's impossible for humans not to worship. The issue instead revolves around what I worship. What am I elevating that is worthy of the worth I'm giving it? Is it your fears? Oh, I'm not worshiping fear, but are you? Is it your bank account? Is it your, you know, we can, there's, there's the, the, the list is limitless of all the things that we can worship. Uh, you, you may have things in your home or in your life or that heirlooms or something that's worth a lot of money. That's fine. No, nothing wrong with that. But how elevated are those things in your life? How much energy and time and focus do you spend on whatever it is? I think the Bible talks about very clearly that we need to work. I think that's important. We need to, we need to do what we can, and, and, and there's all diversities of that, but we need to do what we can. But if we ever elevate our job and our career to a place that it takes all of our time, it takes all of our focus, it takes all of our attention, ladies and gentlemen, we're worshiping our career. 
Something is going to be worshipped. You, 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 again, there's a simple word we find in the Bible, and it's called idolatry. And we, we kind of laugh about that in today's culture that you know, we, we don't set little shrines up in our house and, and bow down to them or put, uh, you know, that's, you know, sometimes we think, well, that's another country. That's, they do that in other religions and, and faraway lands and faraway places. But I have to tell you today, idolatry is very much alive and well. If I have a little shrine in my house or not, idolatry is very much alive and well. And that's simply putting something ahead of your relationship with Jesus. Putting something in between you and God. And the, one of the Ten Commandments says, don't do that. We are not here to worship other things, but to worship him. Again, the list is long, and I'm not going to, you know, let your mind spin here for a little bit, but the list is long of what an idol can be or what, a, 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 what something we worship can be in a particular moment or season. It's anything I pursue above all else for returns like security. I put this supreme in my life because I want to feel good about myself. I put this supreme in my life because I, I want satisfaction or I, I want significance. There's a trade-off here with things that we worship. We're not just worshiping something for the sake of worshiping. We want a trade-off here. And sometimes we do those in, in, in to get peace of mind or we, we do those to get popularity or we do those to get security. Whatever the case may be, when we do do that, we're setting up an idol. We are worshiping something that only God should be worshiped. Only God should fill that role. A possession, an experience, a habit, even another person. It can be something that's overtly sinful. We worship and count the, as worthy of our attention and all of these things, or it can be something that's good that we've just placed too much attention and time on. John Calvin called it perpetual factory of idols. It's where we continually devise new idols to worship. Idols that we presume will provide what we need. I'm feeling this, and so I'm going to do this. And I'm feeling this way, so I'm going to try this. I think I preached a message not too long ago. Just try Jesus. Let him be the idol, not the idol, but let him be the focus of your attention and worship. Let him be at the preeminence of your life and not some other thing that will, again, pass away. Jeremiah 2.13, listen to this verse. For my people have committed two evils, evils, two evils. What's the first one? They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And that's what Jesus told he was when he told the lady at the well. He said, I am a, I'm, I'll give you living water. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And then what else? What's the second evil? Have you them out cisterns? Just broken cisterns that, that can't even hold what They're not going to satisfy. We have the living water. We have Jesus who can fulfill. But we ignore that. The Bible says that's an evil. And then it says trying to do it our way, trying to do it how we want to do it, trying to figure this out that 
is another evil. We build our own broken containers where we're deluded by the assumption we'll be able to use them to quench our soul's thirst. It's why Jesus offered this woman at the well, he offered her living water. It was something he knew would satisfy that longing she was looking for. You know, it's one of those situations, some of us are more hard-headed than others, and are you one of those type of people you learn from other people's mistakes? Some people are those that they don't learn from other people's mistakes, they've gotta make them themselves. Well, I know if you touch that electric fence, it shocked you, but I think I can get away with it. Fine, <laughs> wet your pants, I, we don't care, just touch it. The <laughs> The point is, you can try all you want, it's still gonna shock you, but if you need to try it yourself, and that's just a frivolous thing, but folks, there are people who, well, that's not gonna hurt me, that's not gonna do the same, that's not, and they are just, learn from other people's mistakes sometimes. But in the case of this, it's why he offered this living water. You have seen people try Everything on this planet. I wish, I, I thought of it today, I wish I could find it, and I'd mention it here from this pulpit. It was some, some famous and rich guy, whoever that might be. And his hope was, he said, my wish for everybody is that you were famous and rich someday. Sounds good. He said, because you're gonna find out you're still not happy. You're gonna find out you're still not fulfilled. I was talking to a guy today, and he was like, you know, you see these people just like, they, you know, they're worth $17.8 billion. Just like, how much is enough? And I said, I think the issue is it will never be enough because it's probably the $17.9 billion that will make them happy. And then they're just chasing after a mist, a fox, something that's not true. Ladies and gentlemen, if we can learn from other people's mistakes and realize it's not there. I don't care what you achieve. I don't care what you own. I don't care what. It is not that will never, ever, ever truly satisfy you. I hear the old elders in my church sing the song, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can do that. And so he's the one that we need to focus on. But no, we take our time and we hew out cisterns and they're broken cisterns and they're not going to work and we're still going to be dissatisfied and we're still going to be upset. This lady at the well, she was trying to fulfill the sadness and the brokenness, whatever it was by trying to do this on her own. She, she figured out trying to do this and she, she hewed out her own systems, cisterns if we could say it that way way but they still did not hold any water and so she tried again and that didn't work and so she tried again at its core maybe we could say the issue was misdirected worship we're trying to elevate things above Jesus we're trying to let them take us to a place that they cannot take us and we're trying to get things or situations or people to fulfill us and we're not created to worship those things as human beings that is not the purpose for which I was originally created. They will never fulfill us. They will never satisfy. So there is a liberating reality. A, re a liberating reality when you latch on 
to this central theme that God is to be worshiped and watch and you let go of all the other things that cannot fulfill your life. Because what will happen was we, tr we try to put things in position to be able to fulfill us and that only leads to more and more and more frustration. Because the expectation is the next thing will do it. And then when it doesn't, you get frustrated. It's got to be something else. And we'll try that. And then we're frustrated again. Jesus was at that well and he was beckoning this woman. Come back to the basics. Come back to the beginning. Back to water that can actually address your need. Jesus, again, we talked about maybe a few weeks ago. He's not seeking a fan club. He has no ego. He is all in all. He's sovereign. He's supreme. But he is seeking men and women who will once again live their lives for the praise of his glory. Remember that in Ephesians 1, 2, 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. The purpose to those who believed on Jesus was to bring praise and glory to him. With that relentless love, with that just falling in, in, can I say that, falling in love with him and just totally sold out to him, he's seeking to restore me for what I'm hardwired to do, and that is to worship him. This, again, I know we're some of us, and hopefully all of us in this room, we, we, we've experienced this, and we understand these things in our mind, but sometimes we need a reminder and a refresher course that you can chase everything you want to chase. You will never be satisfied without. You can have some peace, but you cannot have peace that passes all understanding. You can have some happiness, but you can't have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You cannot have the fruit of the Spirit apart from the, from the Spirit. The purpose that I want to bring, that I live is to bring glory to him, to put him as the preeminent in my life. As I live my life glorifying him and, and worshiping him, I, I return all my other pursuits to their appropriate size and capacity for fulfillment. But what are you talking about? Just you need to do nothing in life and never try to do anything that makes you happy? Or, no, I'm not saying that at all. But there are people who are seeking amusement to try to fulfill something that only God can fulfill. Is there anything wrong with some amusement? Absolutely not. That's fine. But it will never fulfill. And then the frustration comes that way. I have met, and I taught the other, just I think it was Sunday down the hallway here in the marriage class, and I said this. Some of the most, some of the loneliest people I have ever met in my entire life are married. It's like, whoa, what in the world? Because if you're, if you're, environmental and you're alone and you're the only person of course you're lonely you're by yourself and I get that but there comes a level that if I'm married I won't be lonely because there's literally another human being with me but when those expectations aren't met I have met extremely lonely and frustrated people because this is what it's supposed to be, but it's not there. Okay, 
Can you take that into what I'm talking about here? When I put every other pursuit in my life to the appropriate size and fulfillment it's supposed to be, then I can, re- I, I can have peace. I can relinquish some things. <sighs> Sorry, I said marriage. So here we are, marriage and family class. You know how I jump on that quickly. But if I'm trying to have Janelle fulfill because I'm miserable, she's not God. She may be an angel, but she's not God. And so then my frustration is vented on her because of what? I'm projecting because you understand this, folks. I have watched this happen. I've watched people aggravated at jobs. I've watched them aggravated at the church. I've watched them aggravated at the pastor. I've watched them aggravated at people. I've watched them aggravated at their spouse, their kids. What are they trying to do? They're trying to fulfill something that only God can fulfill. So when God fulfills this in me, then I'm not looking for anybody else. to. Do I need people? Absolutely. We understand that. No man's an island. We, we're we're, we're talked to, told to fellowship and all that. That's important. But when I put it to the size and the appropriate fulfillment which, it will, which it's able to do, then my frustration level can come way down because I'm not putting the pressure on a situation, a person, an issue to fulfill something. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry that I sound frustrated in my voice, but I do get frustrated. Because it's just put Jesus first. Worship Jesus only. And when that begins to happen, yes, there will be contentment and joy. Yes, you'll have relationships. And yes, you'll have happy times. And yes, go on vacation. And yes, buy something nice. All of that. But put them in their proper place. That is not going to fulfill you. Only Jesus can do that. I know of a family, I don't know, again, I run my mouth here. I don't know where they get their money. I must budget wrong. But about every third year, they are building a brand new house. And they'll sell that one. And they'll build another one. And when they build a brand new house, then their other relatives have to build a brand new house. And then they all are in competition to build a new house. And like, y'all. And I just want to go down there and say, look, build all the houses you want. You're never going to be satisfied, especially when you've known truth. You've been in truth. And you're looking and you're searching. When I pursue something not for the sake of worshiping it or that, that are, are bringing me contentment, and, 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 and I'm trying to get great peace from that, it's never going to work. But if I learn to put it in the right place, it is so much more fulfilling. I don't expect it to be all in all to me. There are some, I've never done this. It, it, I Trust me, it's crossed my mind. But I have heard of some pastors who have said, you know, somebody said, well, I need to talk to you. We need some counsel, something like that. They said, I'll tell you what. You come to church every week. You come to church every time the doors open for two weeks and you pray. You hit that altar. You pray in that altar and then I'll talk to you. Why are they saying that? 
Because I promise you, if you get your heart right with Jesus, so many of the big issues we think we have. Now, I'm trying to balance this. You understand there are situations. We're in the here and not yet. We're, we're here and there's still sin. I understand all of that stuff. But there are some situations, and I've said it from this pulpit before. It's my elders at the Painted Church used to tell me, and I used to get mad at them, but they were right. I'd be a little smart, like running my mouth, all this stuff. And they said, you need to pray through. Take me off some more. But you know what I needed to do? I needed to pray through. I cannot tell you how much that will help when we pray through. What are we doing? We're putting God back where he belongs. We're putting him in the center of our, our worship, and we're always looking for that third door. You have to understand, folks, and yes, I'm way off my notes, but you have to understand, folks, we live in a microwave society where it's just hurry up and get this done and do this and do this, then go here, then sell that and do this, and everything's fast, everything's fast-paced, and we have a, you know, there's 15 ways to do one thing, and that's how, choose the most convenient way in the time of all of that, and, and, and that's all wonderful and fine, and thank God for that stuff, I guess, to some degree. But you don't, can't bring that in church. There's no shortcut to Jesus. There's no third option to him. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I'm the door. That's how you get. That's the only way you can do this. And so sometimes, well, I think I have a better option. I think I have a better plan. I think you don't than what God has said in his word. You will not have ever find a better plan. Psalm 56, 13. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Thank God for that. Will not thou deliver my feet from falling? That I may walk... Before God in the light of the living. That before God, that phrase right there can somewhat literally, can, can, be, can literally mean, I guess we could put it that way, in his presence. That I may walk in his presence. Think of this, okay? I want you to go along and maybe my mind was just really simple on this. But this is not just an acknowledgement that God is everywhere and he's an omniscient God and he's all powerful and he's everywhere present. No, we all know that and we thank God for that. But when I choose to live in his presence, to walk before God, it's a decision to live all my life in a God-centered way, aware that I'm in his presence. If I truly knew, and we're going to say this, and as soon as I say this, you're going to say, well, we know God is with us all the time. I need you to bring it to a conscious level. Because if I truly believed God was with me, there would be some places I wouldn't take God. There would be some things I wouldn't let God view with me. There would be some conversations I wouldn't have with God. Well, he's everywhere. I need you to think of this, ladies and gentlemen. You're walking in his presence. That means he's there with you. But not just in that regard, if I understand that God is here with me, what a difference that makes in my life also. In the fact of, it's like the little kid. When their dad's standing right there, they're all fine. 
If their dad walks away, all of a sudden they get nervous because they know their dad will protect them. They know that their dad is going to take care of them. Folks, we have a heavenly father that's going to take care of us when we walk in his presence. But to walk in his presence, he's got to be more than just a passing name. He's got to be more than just something I, I think about every once in a while. I, I thought of this today when I, was, when I was just processing stuff. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. That is an amazing passage of scripture to me. It's just he's so near to us and so close to us and with us in every situation. I can converse with him. I can pray to him. I can talk to him. And he's right there with me. That is if I have made the choice that he's supreme in my life, that he's first in my life. The woman at the well, Jesus gave guidance to the woman. John 4, 23 and 24 says, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's to worship him while embracing the truth of who he is and which will involve humility. I, I say it all the time and I've even said it here tonight. He's God and I'm not. And understanding and recognizing that in my life, that humility to understand who he truly is, as well as I also want to worship him with spirit and in truth, which involves a closeness to him. Have you thought of this in a while? The God of all creation desires to be close to you. Desires to be near to you. That's grace that he would do that. In humility, yes, I cultivate a high view of God that he's supreme and, and sovereign and can do what he wants. But because of his grace, he lets me come near him. I can boldly approach his throne. I can come to him and say, Abba, Father, I can be near to him. I can speak to him and he hears me. True worship is not only a matter of just going to church and corporate singing. It's, it's an all-of-life response. Everything I do should be a representative that I worship him and him alone. My words and what I do and, and how I conduct myself. True worship will mean engaging my mind and recognizing his worth in my life. Is he supreme in your life? You answer that question. I don't know. I can't answer it for you. I'll look for ways then, if he is, to adore him. I'll look for ways to obey him. I'll look for ways to follow him. Here's the question. Do you think he knows best? Do you think he has your best interest at heart? Do you believe his ways are above your ways? If we truly believe that, it's a lot easier to follow him. It's a lot easier to obey him. 
You know, those things we, we say so often that, you know, the Lord's blessed me and I'm thankful for all those, but some of the greatest blessings I've ever had in my life is when God didn't answer my prayer. I didn't understand it at the time, but as I look back, he knows what's best. Thank God he didn't answer that prayer how I wanted him to. And so when I look at him and I set him in that position in my life, even though I was mad about it, even though I was upset and I didn't know what he was doing and it hurt or whatever the case may be, when I realize he is a supreme God and he does all things well and I give him the preeminence in my life and I put him at that place of worship, what a difference my entire life is. It's just not how I act on a Sunday. It's how I act at home. It's how I act in a restaurant. It's how I act on my job. Everything in my life is made to worship him. Poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning said, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries and daub their natural faces unaware. <laughs> Pretty good word picture. Do we truly see God, feel God, know God? Or are we just like the things around us? Are we just thankful for the blackberries or does something else happen when we realize God is near? Just a sunset or a declaration of a great, great creator and the glory of God? Just a rainbow or a sign to remind us we serve a covenant-keeping God? Which are we? True worship's not just a matter of the mind but of the heart as well. We're loved by the king of all creation. He's up to something amazing in our life story and for his glory, but also for our good. That deserves a big time response to him. True worship means will, will mean tossing aside passivity. And worship is not a spectator sport, we could say. The, the Hebrew and Greek words we translate as worship involves physical postures and actions. Worship is not just an attitude of, yes, he's worthy. If he is, then I'll do something about him being worthy. And I'll show that he is worthy in my life. There is an activity. It will involve the way I spend my time and my energy and my money and worship will be seen in the way I live my life and, and it will happen in plenty of places besides church. It won't just be a once a week thing or a twice a week thing. It will be who I am. I was created to worship him. If you look at a map, there's times you can find these places. They'll say places of worship and they'll always have a little icon on all the little synagogues or churches. Or do you know what our map should look like? Places of worship. It should be in every parking lot. It should be on every road. It should be in the post office and the grocery store. Every one of those should be places of worship. Why? Because that's how I should live my life. That he is worthy of the worship. Every endeavor becomes a way of acknowledging God's worth in my life. We've got to be careful when we feel this sometimes a, a low spot, we could call it maybe a drought in our life in, in some way. 
Because when that happens, then what are, what are we drinking? What are we filling up on? Let me quickly go here. This is my little account. I could be wrong, but I'll say it anyway. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, and they had everything. Everything. Don't touch that. Everything. Don't touch that. I dare say that if they would have been full up on everything, that would not have been a temptation. If I'm full up on the things of God... It's amazing how things grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So as we're seeking for things and as we're hungering and thirsting for things, in every realm of our life, if there is a, there, if there is a drought, if there's a, if there's a you, you're looking for living water is what you're looking for. Our soul longs for God. Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul, what's it do? It thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Isaiah 35, 6. Then shall the lamp... Lame man leap as an heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Our dehydrated souls find water through a deep and authentic embrace of his worth in every situation. It doesn't matter how wild the world gets and how crazy and how they mock and laugh at all that he is still the source of living water. It can be in a desert and you can still have the source of living water. It can be in a dry driest place of your life and you can still find the source of living water. If I'm to learn to worship in all of my life, it will also inevitably include doing so in very difficult seasons. Not everything is perfect. Not everything is always good. Not every day is wonderful. You've lived long enough to understand that. There's pain, there's confusion, there's hurt. It's called life, we will say. Habakkuk 3.17, listen to this. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive oil shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. This sounds like my house burned down. I lost my job. My car got repoed. Whatever you want to say in our 2023 language. All this terrible stuff. Verse 18, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. His embrace of God's worth was not stifled by his own grim circumstances or unanswered questions. How many times have we said, and folks, you're going to have to hear me because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. We will say things like, or you'll see it posted, somebody posts, I went to the doctor and they said no more cancer. And thank God, and we should testify and rejoice. And people are posting, oh, praise God. He's a wonderful God. God's a great God. Isn't that wonderful? If they posted, the cancer's back and it's worse than ever. Can our response still be, he's a good God. 
I bless his name. He does all things well. That's when I'm not worshiping answers. I'm not worshiping blessings. I'm worshiping him. Because he's worthy to be worshiped. We can't be tempted to think that worship is just a matter of honoring God when things are nice. In the process, another devastating idol will be exposed. And that's our tendency to worship the answers rather than to worship God. Our I don't knows can and must be a place of worship. I'm confused, but I can still worship. My heart's heavy, but I can still worship. Let's go back to Habakkuk. What, what was at the core of his worship when he said, all this stuff has happened, yet I'll worship thee. Worship, worship thee. Habakkuk 3.19. Here's what he says, though. He says, because the Lord God is my strength. Not because I have a bunch of fruit. Not because I have a bunch of olive oil. Not because I have a bunch of things in the barn. No, it's the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet. In other words, I can get around in whatever terrain it is, up the sides of a cliff, I can do that. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places. And then he tells who was too. But instead of worshiping God because everything was easy and explainable, and folks, that is a great time to worship. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. When we speak of testimonies of healing and, and provision and, and God made a way when there was no way, thank God, we need to rejoice. We need to thank God. We need to praise him. But when you walk in this building and all hell has broken loose in your life. No, I don't expect you to, to just push it down and just run the aisles and stuff, but there still needs a place of worship in your spirit because you're not worshiping because he is good. You're worshiping just because he's God and he's worthy to be worshiped. Not because of provisions and I have all the answers. Because it's in those moments our worship focuses not on our ease or our ability to understand, but that's when it focuses on the supreme worth of God is a big sovereign God. And God is enough. So as we kind of conclude, I have some questions. Am I worshiping answers? Am I worshiping blessings? Am I worshiping only in the good times? Or no matter what the day brings or what the future holds, I place him supreme in my life because he is God and he is worthy to be praised. May we live our life in the face of God, but not in order to be noticed by others. That's a moot point. But instead, may, I, may we all live life, a life of worship, because of an ever-growing sense of adoration for the one who alone can ultimately satisfy my soul. I want to do my best in the good and the bad, in the highs and the lows, to show and to reflect and to honor God with everything that's within me, because he is the one who satisfies our soul when he is placed in the right position in our life. Can you stand with me in this place?
And let's pray together. These aren't easy. <laughs> it's not easy things to do sometimes. And I know there's people in situations right now. But let something down inside of you realize he is still a God who is worthy of our worship. Lord, we praise you in this house. And we thank you that you're here and you're close to every one of us. Lord, life is tough sometimes and there's twists and turns that I, I don't want to see. We don't want to go through. But, Lord, you know the way that we take and we trust you in that. I don't know how you can do it, Lord, but you can. You can turn every situation around for our good. You can take the bad and make it good. You can turn things, Lord. You can redeem, and I'm thankful for that. God, I pray that you would help with people who are struggling, people who are, 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 are kind of dry in their heart and their life right now, and they may be searching for something to fulfill that. Let them come back to the basics and realize, oh God, that Jesus is, it's only you that can satisfy our soul. I pray that you'd help us to put you on a throne, Lord, way above in our hearts and our lives, not because of blessings and not because of anything like that, but because you truly are worthy. And I know, Lord, by doing that, you're going to fulfill the those longings in our hearts. You're going to help us and give us strength in the time of trouble. Lord, I pray that you bless each one. Help us to have a wonderful day in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.